You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Matthew 8, 18 through 22 is where we'll start. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And then Luke 9 23 through 27. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And then in Luke 9, 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Wade. Well, we're starting a new series called Encounters. Uh, This is a a series about times and places when individuals encountered Jesus on some personal level, all right? And that may be where Jesus speaks to them as a part of a group or as just as an individual, or it may be someone inside of a group and Jesus speaks to them in particular, but seems to have uh, a message for the broader group as well. And so we're going to look through those as, as we go along uh, here and, um, and just kind of talk about them together. And hopefully they're going to be helpful for us as we apply these truths to our own lives, as we look at what Jesus is saying to that individual in that situation, in that context, hopefully we'll be able to make the application for us as we go along. A lot of the sayings that Jesus said, the the things that he said to people were not always easy. They were not always comforting even. Um, And so we want to look at that. And I I really want to challenge you and I. Last Sunday we preached a message that I think would be considered a hard message. Um, A message really challenging us to look at our own heart. uh, Look at the condition of our heart and how the, the truth or the seed, the word of God falls on our hearts and how we respond to God's word. Um, and uh, the challenge, obviously, is for all of us that we would have a heart that is fertile, a heart that is, is pliable, a heart that is, is ready to receive the truth of God's Word. Um, but do we live that out? And do we live that out on a day-to-day, routine basis of life? And um, so we want to pick up here uh, some of these, these encounters where Jesus is saying, follow me. Um, and obviously, 
uh, I, I'd like to start by, by going back a little bit in, in the Gospels, and let's look at some of those first calls that Jesus made. Um, while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, uh, he saw Simon, and he saw Andrew, and he called them. He said to them, he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Um, and it says in the scriptures that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And then he went on from there uh, and he encountered James and he encountered John, his brother. Um, and this one is very interesting to me and I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But it says that they were in the boat with their father. Their father's name was Zebedee and they were in the boat with Zebedee and they were mending their nets and, and they encountered Jesus and he says to them to come and follow me and when he says this to them, it says, immediately uh, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. And I think that that's a call that you and I need to hear, is we need to specifically and individually hear God call us, and call us to follow him. And I believe he's doing that. I believe that is the intent of, of God's heart, is that that. Christ's redemption and Christ's resurrection and power gives us the privilege and the opportunity to hear, and not only hear the call of God, but to say yes to it and to respond to that call. And so we want to look at our heart again today, just as we did last Sunday, and now I'm asking you to check your heart based on the call of God, as God is calling you, as, as God is calling out to you to follow Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. How are you and I responding to that? How are we responding individually to that? And how are we responding corporately to that as well? Martin Luther said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. And I believe that's so accurate. And, and you and I need to be able to identify what is the cost, but also am I paying that cost? Is, is my life contributing in such a way that I am actually paying the cost that is required of me? There was a, an active, uh, he was a priest, but he was kind of an activist. He was an activist priest, I guess. Uh, his name was Bergen, and um, he said this. He said, if you want to follow Jesus, you'd better look good on wood. You and I need to understand that the cost is everything. The cost is all that we have, but it goes beyond that. It's all that we are. And that's where I think it really gets tough. I mean, when we start talking about your stuff, yeah, it kind of messes with you. But when we start talking about your identity, it really messes with us, doesn't it? And that's where we need to land in this message today is, is the, the honest question of, have I paid the price of discipleship? Have I paid what it costs to truly be named among the disciples of Jesus Christ? Am I truly able to be named among the followers of Christ? And today, for those of you who are, who are comfortable here in your salvation and in your walk with God, this may be agonizing to you. This may afflict you in some way, and I hope it does. I hope that it does for all of us, that it causes us to look in, that, that it causes us to ask some hard questions, all right? Um, let me see how good your, your sense of comedy is. How many of you know who uh, Yakov Smirnoff is? Anybody know who that is? Nathan knows, PJ knows. Okay, all right. 
All right. Uh, obviously, he's a strange uh, comedian because you just look at the people who know. You know, he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a strange comedian. I, I actually like him. Uh, in one of his monologues, he, he does this, and he's from Russia, and so he, he talks a lot about coming to America and experiencing America and the difference between Russia and America and all of that. In one of his early dialogues, he says, on my first shopping trip uh, in America, he said, I went to the grocery store, and I saw all these instant products, and he was, was just incredible. All these instant products were, were just lined up, and he goes, I saw powdered milk. You just add water and you get milk. He says, then I saw powdered orange juice. You just add water and you get orange juice. And he goes, and then I saw baby powder. Get it? <laughs> Listen to me. There are some of us sitting in this room and our Christianity is a just add water, get baptized Christianity and then I'm done. And that's not the way it is. You can't just add water and follow Jesus. You, you can't just get saved. You can't just get baptized. You can't just go through some formula, all right, and be a disciple. A disciple costs more than that. A, dis a, a disciple costs more than a beginning or a start. And I know from time to time we need a, a fresh start, if you will. We need a moment where, where we just have to recalibrate and we sort of have to start over, if you will, with a few things in our walk with God. But I'm talking about day to day, the cost of being a follower, the cost of being a disciple is huge, I think. And, and, and I'm afraid for us, especially here in this country, that, that Christianity has become an easy thing for you and I. And not only has it become easy, we've, we've allowed it to become easy, but we want to keep it easy. We want to we stay in that, that easy kind of place. And so for a lot of us, all we want to do is to go to church and maybe not even do that on a consistent or regular basis. We want to add a few prayers. We want to read some Bible from, from time to time, rehearse a few things. But, but, but we want to go on living, trying to go after our goals and, and, and achieve those things that, that we want, our own ambitions, if you will. And we make a way of life of wanting to be comforted only by God and having a pleasurable life at the expense of the church. And we want to do it our way and we still want to get to heaven and have all things be good and folks it's a, it's a great story it's a great idea but when we read the scriptures in, in whole and, and in balance we don't see it that way it, it doesn't come out that way. It doesn't equate that way, all right? So he, here's my question to you and I, that, that I want you and I over these, this series, over these particular sermons to wrestle with, and, and that is, what is it that Jesus intended when he said, follow me? What, what did he mean? What, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And is there a difference between just being a believer and being a true disciple. Remember the, 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 the soldier? He came to Jesus and said, I believe. And then immediately he says, help my unbelief. In other words, there's a, there's a place here where I battle. There's a place here where I ebb and flow. There's a place here where, where I, I still need to grow. 
But a disciple isn't just about what I believe, but it's about what I am willing to do and what I am willing not to do. And so discipleship goes beyond just saying, well, I believe. Discipleship is that that proof of the pudding, that place where when Jesus comes and we encounter Him and He says, follow me, that, that immediately some things are dropped. Immediately some things go by the wayside and immediately there is a shift in our lives, in our, in our sense of what we value, and in the way that we respond to the truth of God's Word and the, and the actions that we live out as a result of that. So if there's a theme this morning, it's this, that Jesus calls us as followers, as His followers, to count the cost seriously and see whether or not we are actually disciples I believe there's a difference between those of us who are following Jesus for the fishes and the loaves and those of us who are following Christ with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And Jesus indicates in his teachings, I believe, and we want to look at them this morning, that if you are going to follow him, if you are going to be with him, it is going to literally cost you everything. You cannot parse this out or divide this up or, or establish a duplicity where there is a God's part and a your part, but your part has to die. You have to lay down your life to follow Jesus, all right? And so the first thing I would say to you this morning is that there is a distinction between, between being part of the crowd and being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And we go back to Matthew chapter 8 to look at this beginning at verse 18. And Jesus notices how large the crowd is there. And it was growing. People were pressing in, uh, the scriptures tell us, all right? And so he instructed the disciples at that point, And he said, it's, it's time to cross over to the other side. We need to move from here. We need to, to go to the other side. And after he says that, then it says that one of the teachers or one of the, those of the religious law, they, they spoke to him and and this, in this particular encounter, this guy says, Teacher, I will follow you no matter where you go. And it's so interesting how Jesus responds back to him there. And he says, Well, foxes have dens or, you know, they have holes to live in. Birds have nests. He says, But I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. And then it says another disciple, another follower came up to him and said, Lord, notice, notice, teacher, Lord, let me first return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, he says, follow me now. Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. That's what he's saying. Let the dead bury the dead. So let's Let's think about this for a little bit this morning, all right? When Jesus notices here how large this crowd is and how it's growing, he suddenly instructs these disciples to cross over to the other side of the lake here. And he's been, he's been ministering to this crowd near Capernaum, and he's healed many diseases. He's driven out evil spirits here. He's created a, a stir, if you will. He's, he's developed a reputation, all right? He's preaching. He's teaching the people. And so now there are so many that are following him and to the point that they are like literally pressing in, like they're, they're, they're pressing in on, on him uh, to reach him for, for whatever reason. And so he's on the beach here, um, and so he gives this 
order. I mean, it's like, this is like a command. This is like he's saying to them, we got to go. Okay, let's go. We're, we're moving to the other side of the lake. Now, why, why would Jesus do this? Do this? We know that he came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. And, and, and as he often indicated, uh, he, he would need to move from place to place, and he would do that. He would go from, like, town to town to, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. All right? And Jesus often did this. But, but the way Matthew is wording this right here, it seems to indicate that there's a motive that Jesus has in wanting to cross over here at this particular time and, and get to the other side. And it, it, it was more than, than just wanting to reach the people on the other side. Matthew says, when Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, then he instructed his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. I think Jesus saw something here in the crowd. It, it reached a, a, a point, and it reached a momentum, and there's something that's going on here. Now, now maybe it had grown too large just in the sense of being too big. I don't know. Um, we know that Jesus preached and, and fed more than 15,000 on, on one occasion, all right? But I, I think there's something more here. I think he observed something in the crowd here, and that was that there were a lot of people, and the, the, the percentages had shifted, um, and there were people here who wanted to follow Jesus solely on the basis of his miracles and what they could get and what he was giving to them, not a real desire in their own hearts to change. And as that volume of people, of that kind of spirit grew there, then he realized the need to move to the other side, all right? You see, they were, they were excited about what Jesus could do for them, all right? But they didn't have the heart to become a follower, to become a disciple. So they're only looking to get something, not to give their life to follow after Christ. And so he says to the disciples, we've got to do something different. See, I think there's a difference between a crowd of believers um, uh, and, and we find this today in America, all right, um, uh, who just want comfort and just want something, and they are in that consumeristic mentality or spirit, all right? And that's very different than those of us who want to be true disciples, to be devoted, to be a follower of God. And I think there are some things that we can observe that will help us to, to look at that and evaluate our own lives, I think we have to do that. You and I have to be people who are willing to not only look at our own heart, but let God speak into the condition of our heart and to let God use others to speak to us about the condition of our heart. You see, I think the crowd loved Jesus enough for him to help, all right? Um, and, and they were willing to receive any help that he could bring to their lives, but, but, but there's something wrong with that at a point. It's, it's not wrong in the beginning. Jesus loves people. Jesus cares for people. He is concerned about their injuries and their sorrows and their hurts and their brokenness and their needs. He came as a healer. He, he, he comes to restore people. But this group had grown from, from being followers of Jesus to being a large group of people, it seems, who are just really hungry for another event, another miracle, another uh, uh, sight, if you will, or an act, if you will, of, of some kind. And so that's what they're going after here, and they're not really wanting to do that because of who Jesus is. They wanted to do that for what Jesus could do for them, 
all right? And what Jesus wanted was to call them to follow him on his mission, all right? And to make disciples and to establish the kingdom of God. So, so what we see here is we see a crowd that is really enjoying listening to the teachings of Jesus, but the disciples uh, wanted to think like Jesus. They wanted to pray like Jesus. They wanted to be like Jesus. And that's a different group, see? And so, so God almost seems to be, uh, I mean, Jesus almost seems to be like, like separating the, the group here, all right? And the crowd wanted a savior, and they wanted him to rescue them from all of their problems. How many of us come to church for that? We do, all right? And initially, that's what brings a lot of us into uh, the, the church or into uh, our, our family members who love the Lord and who are following the Lord. We get in difficult situations, and that's who we run to because they have an answer. And so we look to Jesus out of our, our need, all right? But the disciples gave up everything to be with Jesus and to join him in his work. And that's the, 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 the difference, see, is that, that there are those who are saying, I, you have something I need. You, you can help me. You can make it better for me, and I want that. But the, the disciples are saying, I want to take up your mission. Like, I want to follow you in such a way that I am like you, that I become more and more like you, and I am following you because I am like you. And so I want to lay my life down. The crowd there, they received what they need from Jesus and they, they went on their way with their lives. Many of them would get healed or they would, they would be delivered in some way and they just moved on. But the disciples, they gave up everything to be with Jesus. And they did. They joined him in his work and they became obedient to his work the simplest definition of a disciple is a student, one who learns. But it really means so much more than just one who learns. A disciple is someone who follows a master. A, a disciple is one who apprentices themselves in. They, they, they buy in and they, they become committed. All right? It's someone whose life is shaped by the teaching of the particular master of which they are, are following. So if someone is following Jesus, they are, they are stepping into a relationship where they are willing to let their life be changed and, and to be shaped in every way. So they adopt a different set of values. They adopt a different set of attitudes. They adopt a different set of actions. They live out of a different set of principles, if you will, and that are not their own. It is the master teacher. And so in short, what I'm trying to say to you is that a disciple is molded and shaped into the master's image. And in these encounters that I'm talking about today, some of them were, were very quick, short encounters. As far as the calling of some of the disciples, it seems that that could have been a, a longer conversation or maybe even more than one conversation. And it was uh, aided by other disciples as they called a brother or, or uh, a friend to come and follow Jesus and took them to Jesus. But what I'm saying to you and, and, and to me is that we have to look at our lives and say, okay, when I look at me and when others look at me, do they see me or do they see Jesus? And if they see Jesus more than they see me, then I'm a follower, I'm a disciple because I'm walking in that image of Jesus Christ. Um, one radio preacher says this. He says it this way. Um, 
He says, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you are my executive assistant in a company that is growing rapidly. He says, I'm the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas. So to pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and to stay there until this new branch office gets established. I make all the arrangements to take my family and move to Europe for six, eight months. I leave you in charge of the busy stateside organization. I tell you that I will write you regularly and give you directions and instructions. I leave and you stay. Months pass. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all of my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office and I am stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist's room. She's doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to her favorite disco station. I look around and I notice that the wastebaskets are overflowing. The carpet hasn't been vacuumed for weeks and nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I ask about your whereabouts and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I move in that direction and bump into you as you are finishing a chess game with a sales manager. I ask you to step into my office which has been temporarily turned into a television room for watching afternoon soap operas. What in the world is going on? What do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh, yes, sure. I got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we have had a letter study every Friday since you left. We have even divided the personnel into small groups to discuss many of the things you wrote. Some of the things were really interesting. You will be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of your sentences and paragraphs. One or two memorized an entire letter. Great stuff in those letters. Okay, you got my letters. You studied them. You meditated on them. Discussed them and even memorize them. But what did you do about them? Do? We didn't do anything about them. We as God's people must be more than hearers of the word. We must be the doers. We cannot live in the word and live in the comfort of a place that we create for ourselves and never do, and never be. It's absolutely essential that we take what we are learning in this, this truth, this seed, if you will, that is being sown into our hearts. And as we encounter this life of Christ, it has to change us. It has to transform us. We have to become men and women of the truth who are living that truth out and it is shaping us and forming us and informing our decision making so that the world may see and the world may do. You see, Jesus is calling you and I out of the crowd, out of the safe place and into discipleship. And I'm being honest with you. I'm making a distinction. I don't believe that discipleship is the safe place. I don't believe Jesus asked you to go to a safe place. 
I believe He asked you to die. And I believe He asked that of everyone, not a particular group or certain individuals. We've got to cross over with Jesus to the other side. We've got to step out of the crowd and into the boat with Jesus. We've got to commit ourselves to Him, to travel where He travels, to do what He does, and to, to live with Him at the center of our lives day after day after day after day. To put it into our context, when we left that other building, that was the Old Testament passage we asked of you to, to embrace. Cross over the river. Cross over to the other side. Not, not that we were bad over there. Not that we were ineffective over there. But honestly, in coming here, we believed that God was blessing us to be a blessing and asking more of us than he had ever asked before. And so the call was to all of us. That's why we took the stones and wrote a promise on them. And, and we, we did it over there and we brought them over here and laid them here in the altar. Because we wanted to live in those promises of God. We wanted to, to be faithful. We wanted to be His disciples. We, we made a decision on that day to cross over. And I'm asking you to re-examine that heart. And, and, and maybe we have to re Commit, And maybe we have to step into the boat of the Lord again. And maybe we have to move in some way where we begin to demonstrate more tangibly the cost that we have paid. To further understand the commitment, I think Matthew talks about this. And he talks about these people who approach Jesus with a, this desire to become his disciple. And one of them asked permission, says, I read it to you just now. He says, uh, I want to follow you, um, but I, 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 don't, I got things I need to do. I, there's stuff that I need to take care of. And Jesus is not sympathetic to that. And, and I, I think we forget, <laughs> and I'm being gracious here, we forget that that. To follow Jesus as a disciple means that we have to sacrifice something. You know, we actually have to give something up. One of the teachers of the law says, I'll follow you no matter where you go. And Jesus says, well, these foxes have these dens and these birds have these nests and all of that. He says, but I don't have a place to lay my head. I, I don't. See, and we don't know who this scribe is, but we know nothing about his background um, we just know he seems to be one here that, that is coming. It seems very few responded to Jesus. But he responds, and, and, and he says, I, I want to be a disciple. I, I want to be a follower. I want to follow you, all right? And, and, and maybe something particular. Maybe he heard the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe he saw a particular healing. Maybe he was healed himself in some way. But he's saying, I want to be a disciple. I want to be one who follows you. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus doesn't just go, yeah, come on. Come on in, you know? Instead, Jesus looks at this man and calls him to count the cost. He said, this, is, this will take something. This will cost you something. And you see, we need to understand that there is no, there is no servant that is above his master. And whatever it costs Jesus, it's going to cost you. 
Whatever was required of Jesus is going to be required of you. And Jesus is saying to this man, yeah, you want to follow me? Well, I don't have a house to live in. I don't have any furniture. I don't own a car. I, I, I don't have any possessions in this life other than the clothes that are on me. Matter of fact, if I told you the future, my clothes are going to be ripped off me and someone's going to gamble for them. See, Jesus lived a life of service. He did not live a life of preparation of ease. And we spend so much of our time and so much of our resources getting ready for something else out there in front of us. And so we build houses and we, we, we take land and, and, and we acquire all of this stuff and we do all of this with the intent of our own ease and our own comfort, if you will. And I'm not saying all of that is wrong, but I think we have to look at our heart and see where our heart is in terms of being called to be a disciple and being like Jesus because he depended on the Father for every circumstance and situation in his life, every physical need and any other kind of need. Matter of fact, he put it this way, even the animals have a place to go and call their own, but Jesus has no home. Well, he did, a home in heaven, a home waiting and reserved for him in we have that too. But here he's calling us to follow him. We have to become sojourners. We have to become travelers. We have to become aliens on this planet, if you will. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven with God. So we pass through this life, and we have to pass through this life knowing and understanding that possessing this life is really not ours. It's not for us. We're not called to that, all right? We belong to the Lord. We are simply stewards of this life that he has given to us. So to be a disciple of Christ means that we've got to be willing to sacrifice many of the pleasures of this world. We've got to be willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. We've got to be willing to die to ourselves and to live for others. We've got to daily take up our cross and follow him. And so the big, big question today is, is are we willing to pay that price? This is how Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it. The cross is laid on every Christian. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We die, okay? We give over our lives to death. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ when Christ calls a man, he bids him, come and die. Come and die. Folks, that's the call to every one of us in this room. There is no one that gets to skirt it. There is no one that gets to walk around it or live outside of it. And so the church is not, is not created and built for my ease and your ease, our satisfaction, our, our good comfort. It is a sanctuary for the broken and the blind and the hurt and the wounded and the disenfranchised for those who are outside of the kingdom of God. And we've been called to be disciples, those who, like Christ, come and die that others might live. And so we have to live our life in such a way. There, there's, there's so many illustrations. When I was doing this, this prep, 
time for this. I was like, man, that's such a good story. Man, that's such a good story. And I packed it full of stories, and I had to go back and just tear them out. I wish I could just stand up here today and just read you story after story after story of people who have been disciples, who have been followers of Christ, and who have paid the price at a premium. See, you and I don't hear those stories. We don't hear the stories of the martyrs. We don't even enjoy reading that part of the scripture. But you and I have to be willing. We have to be able. The next encounter that you have, you have to be able to be Christ in that situation. And you have to be able to to call to one another, you and I, this this discipleship, this death, if you will. And, and, And we fall short when we don't. I know, that's that's not the way to win friends and influence people. I understand that. I read the book, all right? I get it. But you and I as brothers and sisters are called to follow Christ, and we're called to to, to draw each other in, to call each other to account. And so everything that we do centers around this reality that we are called to obey the king, that, that we are aliens here in this democracy, and we We need to live out of the kingdom of God and to follow him. And so we don't have excuse, if you will. The last thing I would say to you about this is that you and I cannot hesitate. This isn't a place where you and I just get to think about it and say, I'll get back to you. we'll, We'll have lunch sometime. You know, we'll talk about it. No. This disciple said, Lord, first, I'll follow you, but first, let me return home and bury my father. And basically what Jesus said was, you follow me now. You let those who are dead bury their own dead. And at first glance, this, this really does seem cruel. This seems like it's really hard-hearted on the part of Jesus. Please keep in mind that in those Eastern cultures, the dead were buried often within 24 hours. You didn't have three and four and five day events. You know, they were, they were generally buried right away. What's most likely happening here, and I think this is a a really interesting take on this passage, what's most likely happening here is is that um, Jesus could have waited for a day probably. He could have waited a few hours at least anyway if this man's father had, had truly died. In this particular culture, this is a figure of speech that can very often be used to, to represent a son's responsibility to his family, and in particular to his father and to their family business. And so what this young man might have been saying was, I'll follow you, but first, I've got to go back home, and I need to take care of the things in my father's house, and I need to do that until my father dies. And so I need to go back for a while. And when I have my inheritance, I'll come back and follow you. And what he's really saying, if that is true, what he's really saying is that he wants to hedge his bet here. He wants to get this inheritance, and once he's got this inheritance, then he will respond to the call of God. And Jesus is saying, no, no, you you, you don't need to do that. All right, you need to follow me. The words of Jesus are the present imperative. Jesus is literally saying here, today, this hour, I want you to follow me and become my disciple. He's saying, no, wait, I've got a commitment to make. I, I, I I need to do something here. 
There's one missionary talks about a, a young man, in, in a, a Turkish young man, and um, he, was, he was a missionary in Turkey. He met this young man. This young man was from a, a wealthy, very, very affluent family, and he said to him, I'm going to go to, to Europe, and I, I want to do some mission work in Europe for a season. I'd love to take you with me. I want to mentor you. I want to train you. You'll work with me all through Europe, and then we'll come back here, and we'll reestablish ourselves here in Turkey, and we'll work here uh, in mission work as well. Um, and it, the Turkish man said, well, I need to go bury my father first. And, and the missionary was surprised, and he said, he said, I'm so sorry. I did not realize your father had passed. I'm terribly sorry. And he goes, oh, he hasn't passed, but I'll need to go back home and work in our family business until my father dies. And when he dies, then I'll be able to do whatever you, you want to do after that. But I've got to do that first. He was young. His father was young. The missionary said that was a, a situation of possibly 30, 40 years, he's saying. Folks, we can't put off dying. We can't put off following Christ. We can't put off. Jesus says, follow me. And it says that immediately they dropped their nets and left their father. See how that comes alive, understanding this culture? We've got to understand it. We've got to get it. And we've got to do it now. All right, so we, we need this kind of, of attitude. There's a, there, there, I want to tell you one story for sure that I read that I just, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Probably because it's a running story, I guess, that I, I liked it. Um, but there's a, a, a school in the, in, in the, on the East Coast and uh, a high school, and they were having their track events, and uh, it was the mile, and uh, the gun went off. As soon as the gun went off, all these guys take off. And there's one guy that he's just phenomenal. And he just jumps out in front of everybody. And there's a few guys, when they see him and how good he is, they just quit. They're done. You know, they just, they just pull back. And there are others who run for a while, but it gets hard. And, uh, and the pace is, is tough. And after a little bit, they pull off as well. And then all of a sudden, there are no runners left on the, on the field there uh, at the finish line. And so the guys who are prepping for the next race, the next heat, whatever, they start to put hurdles out. And uh, one of the judges just runs on the field and says, wait, stop, you can't do that yet, look. And there's a little guy, just a skinny little guy, running around the, the back corner there of the track, and he is just struggling so bad, he can barely, barely run. And he runs slowly, and everybody in the stands, they're just watching with disbelief, and he can barely make it, and he's, he's starting to fall, and uh, he gets to the finish line, and he literally fell, uh, as the story is told, on the finish line, kind of face first, scratched all up. The judge comes over, one of the judges comes over, rolls him over, takes his handkerchief out, and wipes the blood off of his face, and he says, why in the world did you finish this? Why didn't you stop? And he goes, I, I, I couldn't stop. And he said, why did you even run? Why, why, you're not even in the condition to run this mile. And he said, well, our school had a runner. We had a miler. He was really good, but he got really sick. And the coach had promised that somebody would run in every event. And he said, so I ran. And he said, well, why? you knew you had no opportunity to win, so why would you do that? And he said, I didn't come to win. I come to finish. 
We needed a runner. I just came to finish. See, this thing of following Christ is not about you and I. It's not about what we get. It's not about an accomplishment for us. It's not about you and I being first. It's not about us getting some trophy. It's about us doing what God has called us to do and what he is asking of us, even if it's hard. And I know some of you will sit there, especially some of you moms, you'll say, well, what was wrong with that coach? And why in the world would he let that guy run? And, and, and I don't understand all of that. But here's a little guy who said, a promise was made, and I'm, I'm going to fulfill it, and I'll do it. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as equipped as some others, but I'll do this. And you know what? He determined to do it, even if it cost him everything. And he crossed the finish line. What I'm saying to you and I today is that you and I have to be people who follow to the end. We got we to go all the way. We can't stop. We can't, we can't let go. And what I'm going to ask you to do today is you would please, please search your heart. Where are you? If Jesus is saying to you, come and follow me, have you done that? Have you dropped everything to follow him? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? And that's the question for you and I to wrestle with today. Because just as Jesus encountered men along the way and asked them to follow him, he also asked that of us. Now, I understand what some of you are saying right now. It is in your heart to say, yeah, but that was the disciples. And I realize that you and I have a tendency to specialize the disciples. And we, we make them unique, all right? We, we give them a special place and say, well, we're not like the disciples. We're disciples, but we're not those disciples. And, and for some reason, we kind of put ourselves in a place where we don't have to respond like they do. So Jesus called them out, and he called them by name, and he called them into special full-time ministry, and, and that's what they're supposed to do. And, and I have a profession, and I have a career, and, 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 I, all this, and I have a family, and I have all these kinds of things going on. And there are things that I need to do before I can fully follow Christ, and there's some things that I want to get in order, and, and I want to have a bank account, and I want to have a, a spouse, and I want to have a car, and I want to have these kinds of things. But, but Jesus doesn't specialize. Yes, he called those early disciples, and those men dropped their nets and followed him. But if you look at Luke chapter 9, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. That call, my friend, goes out to every one of us, regardless of our place, our position, our condition, our heart, or whatever. We are called to follow him. And will you do that? Will you drop everything and immediately today follow him? Anyone means all, everyone, everywhere, me, you. Anyone. Follow him. Yvette, come and talk to us. Uh, this is the type of message that is disturbing yet compelling. Hard but good for our souls. And as I sat there listening to Pastor Bill, I couldn't help it but 
make a correlation to the business world that he was talking about, accounting for the cost and also going on to being fruitful. And I said, there are many businesses, they have to sit and account for the cost. Unless they know what they input in order to be profitable, they won't be able to get that breaking point to where they know above this, I am making a profit. And then I can go on to invest in something else. That's the same for us. How can we start accounting for that cost? That will start when we lay down our life, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That is that, that point, once we do that, we can go on into being fruitful. And Jesus said that he has come to give us life, and life abundantly. So, and he did that by going on the cross. He accounted for our sins. He knew that was the only way for us to be saved. So he went to the cross and died for you and I, so we may have life, and life in its fullness. And God is calling us today to join him into that mission of not only being disciple, but also going on to disciple others. And that requires a cost from us. And at that time, we're not willing to give, we're not willing to pay. But today, as you hear his voice, will you hear, to the, will you obey the call? Will you answer the call and be willing to lay down your life? in order to live that life that is abundant and fruitful. We will go on to pray, and if the message resounded and you want to answer the call, there will be prayer warriors up here to pray with you. And if you just want to recommit as I feel the need to do, feel free to come up and do that. Please, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are... Um, so good and in your gentle way yet very compelling you know where we are and you want us to come close to you you want us to remind us why we're here what's the purpose of our lives and why we ought to join you into this mission of saving lives of giving life oh god we desire to do just that but at times, Father, we have to, uh, to fight with our flesh. We have, oh, Father, to say no to so many things, but we fall short of your expectations. Yet, that doesn't stop you, Father, from chasing after us because you love us. You are love. And we are so grateful to know that nothing in us will ever deter you from loving us, from saving us again and again. Thank you so much for the precious blood of Jesus through which we are accepted, through which we are established as your sons and daughters. And we can live out of that acceptance, Father, and go on to be fruitful, and go on, Father, to bear the fruit that is pleasing to you. Thank you, O oh God, for loving us, and thank you for allowing us to love you back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.